Welcome to the High Frequency Female Podcast, your ultimate destination for raising your vibration, creating the life that you desire, and discovering inspiring stories of women and human beings who have triumphed over challenges. I'm Tiana Walker, a life coach and Enneagram consultant, passionate about empowering your journey of growth and transformation. Get ready for practical tools, insightful interviews, and powerful strategies to elevate every aspect of your life. Together, let's unlock higher frequencies and celebrate the strength within. Welcome to the High Frequency Females podcast, where we captivate and elevate lives. This podcast episode is brought to you by Kuss Culture, an Australian hair care business that has been making waves since its establishment in 2017 by owner and founder Cassie Marcos. With her own gorgeous, luscious locks, Cassie has spent years experimenting to find the perfect ingredients for her hair. This passion led to her to create her own line of hair care products, carefully crafted with the ideal blend of ingredients. Now, what sets Kuss Culture apart is their commitment to ethical practices. They proudly offer vegan and cruelty-free products, ensuring that no harm is done to animals in the process. Manufactured in a certified organic factory here in Queensland, Australia, you can trust that Kuss Culture prioritises quality and sustainability. Cassie, along with her skilled chemist, personally formulates each product, guaranteeing that only the best ingredients makes it to their range. With Kuss Culture, you can have the confidence in the effectiveness and safety of the product you use. Kuss Culture's mission goes beyond just providing exceptional hair care. They aim to empower people across Australia and the world to embrace hair confidence. Imagine experiencing that amazing hair day feeling every single day. With Kuss Culture, it's possible. Now, the product that I am in love with at the moment is the Frizz Slayer Hair Mask. It is the ultimate in intensive care for your lovely locks. With its reparative and nourishing formula, it will tackle hair concerns from the inside out to provide longer lasting improvements in shine, softness and strength leaving hair deeply moisturised and conditioned. The Frizz Slayer has won the hearts and hairs of over thousands of Aussies around the country and provides to be Kuss community fave. Now join the Kuss culture movement today and unlock the potential of your hair. Visit their website at kussculture.com to explore their range of premium hair care products. Elevate your hair care routine and discover the confidence that comes with beautiful, healthy hair. I have the most beautiful human being as a guest today. Her name is Amanda and she has overcome so much. I have to put a trigger warning for this because, you know, we talk about real stuff. Cancer, the big C. I like to really say it's a see you next Tuesday. That's what cancer is. And it's something that pretty much all of us have had to deal with, with loved ones, ourselves. There's so many people that are affected by cancer. So please listen to this with an open heart and open ears. But this is a trigger warning if you know 
you feel like you could be a little bit sensitive to the situation and I totally understand but I really hope you enjoy this podcast because Amanda is an amazing person she has beaten her cancer so I'll put that out there straight away but she also helps other people that are not even going through it or love someone that's going through it to deal with it because we don't know what to say if you know someone has cancer what the hell do you say to them we don't know and we often say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing so she's got some amazing advice for us out there as well she's a beautiful human being definitely check her out on instagram and tiktok all her details are in the show notes definitely worth checking out and I know she would love to hear from all of you guys as well especially those that are going through cancer or are about to start on their journey definitely reach out she can point you in the right direction and she has an amazing mindset that I know just from listening to this you guys will benefit for sure so enjoy hello Amanda thank you for joining me today Hi, how are you? I am amazing. I just, I'm so excited. I couldn't sleep last night because I know how important this conversation is that we're going to have today. And I know the listeners are definitely going to get so much out of that. So how are you feeling? I'm feeling good, actually. I am, you know, almost, I'm a year past treatment. So 15th of May last year was when I finished active treatment, went into remission August last year as well so I'm you know living my best life to be honest with you so yeah every day as it comes but the fact that you know I can still wake up every day and and be happy and be you know have been through something so you know traumatic and you know or inspiring is you know that's all I could ask for is to be able to wake up every day wow what an amazing mindset you have (laughs) Now, thank you. Let's jump into your story because I think, mm-hmm. as someone that's in their thirties to have breast cancer, that's that's not in the norm, Mm-mm. but it is nah. becoming the norm. It so, is. So- it is unfortunately, and you know, it's only one out of you know, I'm one out of a thousand a year young women between you know, 20 to 39 that get diagnosed with breast cancer. So, you know, all the big numbers you see, the, you know, millions of people that get diagnosed, young women are probably the smallest demographic with breast cancer. But that doesn't mean that we are not an important demographic and that it's not important to be able to bring awareness to the fact that young women still do get breast cancer. And I think it's very important to kind of give women the chance to be able to know that even though you're young in your thirties, in the prime of your life, that, you know, the, this sort of thing can happen to you, which is unfortunate for me, but at the same time was like an unexpected epiphany. I think that I'm grateful in a way that I had have had breast cancer because it gives you some sort of a very different perspective on life. And I think Without that, without cancer, I think that, you know, I wouldn't be able to be the person that I am today. So, yeah. So when you jump into, you know, the, you know, checking of the breasts, mm-hmm. you know, how did, what, what made you trigger to even do that? 
Well, to be honest, I, I really don't know. I think it was some sort of intuition. If not, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. If not a, you know, my, my dad has passed on from cancer and, you know, I feel that it may have been a sort of, you know, sliding doors moment, you know, a message kind of from my dad. That's what I truly believe. And that, you know, that April day in 2021, when I checked my breast in the shower, in all honesty, that was probably the first time I've ever actually done a, an examination. And I wouldn't even really call it an examination. It just happened to be in the shower, washing my breasts. And I felt a lump and I thought, oh, this is a bit weird. It wasn't wasn't a hard lump. It was more a softer kind of jelly feeling. And I thought, oh, this is a bit iffy. And jumped out of the shower, told my partner, you know, I found this, can you feel it just to, so, you know, just so I'm not being a hypochondriac. And he said, oh yeah, there's something there. So having only ever really never checked my breasts, it, it makes me think what would have happened if I hadn't done it that fateful day or it had been a week later, two weeks later, three weeks later, because it grew significantly in the time that I got diagnosed when I started treatment as well. So basically I went to the doctor, made an appointment with the doctor. It was a Friday, couldn't get in till the Monday. So as you can imagine, that weekend was absolute pure torture because you know feeling it again and again thinking oh maybe I'm overreacting went to see the doctor went for an ultrasound she that came back it was suspicious so they sent me for a biopsy most painful thing I've ever had in my life so ladies if you've had biopsies not a fun experience whatsoever especially with your breasts that was the most painful thing I've probably experienced out of all the treatments so did the biopsy the people at radiology kind of said you know it's a cyst we've drained it we don't think it's anything bad so I went home thinking okay cool like I'm you know maybe this is all for nothing like we're just it's a cyst like who thinks that breast cancer could be a cyst right we all think it's a mass or you know part of you know it's it's you know gets in the milk ducts it's it's never really a cyst so for me, went home that day, doctor called me in the next day. I went in thinking, oh, yep, cool. She's just, you know, we're just doing a follow-up to say, you're fine. So went by myself, unfortunately, stupidly, looking back at it. And then she said to me, I remember thinking and looking back and she, she was very uncomfortable looking back now. Like it was very, I'm a talker obviously, but it was very short answers very kind of there was no small talk and I think looking back that was because she was a bit uncomfortable so basically yep I was told that it was a cyst and by the radiology they said you know fine cyst people don't often put which is a misconception that breast cancer can be a cyst mostly they think it's a mass or some sort of in in the milk ducts of you know a cyst is not common as my breast surgeon told me I was the first person in 20 years that had that sort of cyst so it's that's telling everyone how uncommon it is so I went to the doctor went in thinking yep okay I can go by myself she's just doing a follow-up and basically she flipped out a piece of paper, which is very, very kind of didn't want to talk, was very kind of to the point, pulls out the form, the results and says, 
you have invasive carcoma. Okay, so to everyday people, unless you are around oncology or, you know, cancer or any sort of stuff like that, as a 30-year-old, I've never heard invasive carcoma in my life. So I'm thinking, all right, cool. I don't know what that is. So then she pulls out a uh, cancer council brochure right underneath the results. So I thought, all right, cool. This is, uh, at that time, hadn't, hadn't put two and two together. Didn't think, oh, she, she's going to tell me I've got breast cancer. She's just got that form there. Maybe it's, you know, maybe they found something. Like just not even clicking that it was breast cancer. And she said, you have breast cancer. And I remember I actually thinking back now completely just, I didn't know what to do. Like I just, I, people say that you have a, you leave your body. And in that point I did. And I thought, okay, cool. And at, and the thing that people don't know is when you get told you have breast cancer, they don't tell you the stage. They don't tell you, they give you the size of it, but that's about it. So when I was diagnosed, I was, it was three by four centimeters. So, and, and it was a cyst. So I've gone home Luckily, it was only five minutes away. I'm driving. Don't know how I got home, to be fair, because you're, you know, your head's spinning. You're literally like losing your mind. Got home, saw my 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 partner had kind of came out into the car part carport, sorry, and he said, "Okay, how'd it go?" And I said, "It's cancer." And he said, "What?" And I said, "It's cancer." And at that point, I just lost it. I just sobbed, somehow managed to get out of the car. I don't remember how. And then got into my house. And then I remember saying to my partner, who I've been with for 12 years, it's okay if you want to leave. Because at that point, the people around you don't sign up for this. Like you have you have this happen to you and you know that you have to deal with it, but you don't think the people around you have signed up to deal with this. And especially being 30, who wants, who wants to be with someone that's about to face, you know, their own mortality. And at that time didn't know if I was going to live or die at that point. So I gave him that option. He blatantly refused, but still gave him the option. And then they sent my information to the PA hospital and the Mater hospital to get a, an oncology appointment so we could decide treatment, we could decide all of that sort of stuff and also decide what you, I'd find out how severe it was. So that was, that was the PA hospital call. They organised it for two weeks after that. So I walked around blindly for two weeks not being able to know what was going on and I remember having times and even now I still have times where I think holy shit like I have cancer like I remember walking around those two weeks thinking you almost forget that you have it because you don't you haven't started treatment so you're in this weird bubble of like you're you have cancer but you don't know how to like how do you continue on every day not knowing what you're about to face and that was a weird transition period for me because I am walking around 30 years old 
nobody knows at this point, apart from my family. I kept it very quiet. I didn't share it on social media because for me, a lot of people do do that and I totally respect them. But for me, it was just too much for me to share with everybody. I couldn't handle, I'm looking at the fight of my life and I couldn't handle everybody's questions, expectations. I just couldn't do it. It was for me, my mum told my siblings because I couldn't, I couldn't keep having the same conversation. It was too draining for me as, as, as a person. It was hard enough to tell my mum and, and my brother and, and I got my partner to tell his family as well, which helped immensely. And if anybody is going through breast cancer or any sort of cancer, I would suggest using those support people to share the news because it's too much for one person to handle and it's so hard to have the conversation over and over when you don't have the answers you know before you go to oncology so I I definitely think if anyone is going through that you lean on your support people because at the end of the day they're there to help you even if you feel like you're a burden just lean on them so for me went to oncology two weeks later massive scariest meeting of my life I don't I don't actually remember a lot of it my mum went with me I don't remember I was terrified as you would be never been on oncology in my life never had had anyone apart from my dad that has been around cancer or oncology or anything like that so it was terrifying and I remember walking in and they sat me down and said okay well you've got it early you've just you've detected it early so that was a positive unfortunately it was triple negative breast cancer so in the scheme of breast cancer triple negative is not hormone based so it doesn't grow based on estrogen or anything like that there's no way for it to kind of like it's basically the worst sort of cancer breast cancer that you could have so it's very aggressive so it it had grown from three to four centimetres to five to seven in those two weeks. So it had doubled in size. So for me, it was, I just remember thinking, okay, good. Like we've got it. We've got it early. And I know everyone, not everybody has that chance, but I was just relieved that it was, it could have been a lot worse. So, and I think I had the conversations with the doctors and, my oncologist and breast surgeon and they said you know triple negative the, the good thing about triple negative is it responds really well to chemo so it does not like chemo in any way shape or form so it's very effective using chemo to eliminate it and basically in that afternoon I made life decisions in minutes I had to sign up for chemo I had to sign up for radiation I had to sign a form saying that it, the treatment could make me infertile, which is quite heavy for a 30-year-old, uh, having not have any children or something that we have always wanted, myself and my partner. But in the moment, they said, you can freeze your eggs, but at the same time, we need to get this chemo started as soon as possible. So as you can imagine, you're between a rock and a hard place. Do I freeze my eggs? delay treatment and then not be here to use those eggs because I've 
push the treatment or do I sign up, sign my life away and decide, okay, I need to focus on surviving right now. So as you know, for me, I made the decision to not freeze my eggs, which was looking back now, I don't feel, I don't feel I had a choice because it's either live or die. And they're saying to me, you need to start next week. So I made those decisions and basically the plan was 40 weeks of chemo, surgery, radiation, and then more chemo tablets for six months after. So for me, I don't even remember them telling me I had to have chemo tablets. I remember them saying chemo, surgery and radiation, but because it was so intense and heavy, I don't remember. And I remember down the track after we had surgery and that, and they said, and radiation, and they said, you need to have chemo tablets. I'm like, did this happen? Like, did we have this conversation or are you guys just bringing this on me now? And my mom said to me, no, they did say that. But for me, I've just blanked out sections of, the appointment because I'm like 30 years old and I remember thinking oh my god I'm gonna lose my hair and as trivial as that seems I just remember thinking like how how am I gonna how am I gonna like lose my hair like that I'm gonna lose my femininity I'm gonna lose what makes me you know a woman like and I think that's due to the societal expectations of like women being beautiful because of the hair and their you know eyebrows and their you know eyelashes and all of all of that sort of stuff and I'll tell you right now chemo strips you away to absolutely nothing you don't look like a woman you don't look like a man you look like you just look like a stranger and I remember when I had chemo and I lost all my hair and I looked really you know pale and and puffy and stuff and I remember looking in I didn't look in the mirror a lot because I couldn't see me I could see the person that chemo and treatment had made me and that's really confronting as as a young woman to see not yourself in the mirror so basically chemo for me was I was okay with it I didn't have massive side effects what I did struggle with through my whole journey though was mental health people always think that I guess with a cancer cancer treatment that it is solely physical and I did okay physically but the mental side of things is what I struggled with I had very dark moments where I I would think if I just go to sleep and don't wake up like I'll be okay you know just to stop not so much the physical pain like there you do you feel like shit like there's no two ways around it you've got poison in your body like that that's the the point of it you know what I mean and but there were points where I would think that like is it really worth it like am I really is it worth doing all this to to survive and and that's a really dark place to be in when you are questioning whether you want to wake up in the morning and deal with what's going on you know what I mean and that was tough for me because I put on a facade for a lot of people so I would 
put on I'm I'm coping okay I'm I'm doing great I'm being positive like I'm so lucky that you know I found it early and all this sort of stuff but the problem was underneath I was drowning and I would say that to everybody and I did it the whole time I was sick is this you know this expectation to be strong you have to be strong you have to be brave why do you know why do I have to be brave I didn't choose to get cancer we don't get a choice you know what I mean like it's not you being brave you're doing what you need to do to survive and that's a big difference I think that people don't understand is saying you know you're brave you're strong well what other choice are we given you know what I mean like what other choice have I been given apart from the fact that I have to survive and you know that's the hardest thing for me I think anyone that is going through anything whether it be cancer or any sort of trauma you need to tell people when you're not like you're not weak or you're not weak by saying that you can't cope it's totally okay you know what I mean and I wish if I if I could go back I would live it a bit more authentically and say you know what guys I'm actually really like struggling here and the disappointing thing was you don't really get mental health help while you're going through cancer which is really it's all medical based but what about the holistic side why am I not being offered a counsellor or a psychologist or what you know why am I having to source my own mental health support and in those moments where you feel so alone and you don't know who to turn to and that is the hardest thing because they have a plan for you to beat cancer but they don't have a plan for your mental health or even now that I'm in remission being a survivor there's no treatment plan for being a survivor they send you on your way and that's it you know what I mean like you finish and that's okay cool off you trot like our part is done but but what am I meant to do with all the pent-up trauma and um sadness and grief the grief I feel for the old me, the grief I feel for losing possibly my fertility, the grief I feel for having seen myself in its in the rawest form, the grief that I feel that my breasts are now disfigured due to surgery, the grief that I feel for being having lost my naivety and my like basically the grief I've lost for life really and I think that that's something that really needs to be addressed and my psychologist has also said that it is very under-resourced that grief counselling for survivors of cancer is very under-resourced and I had to source my own and and I pay for my own psychologist my cancer specific psychologist and I don't get any sort of help. I don't get any sort of benefit because I've had cancer. It's just me having to struggle through how I'm going to move forward in life, you know? And I think that it's really sad that people who have faced cancer, whether it be young or old, that what ha- happens to the generation that doesn't know how to look for help, doesn't know how to source a psychologist, 
like I'm very, you know, savvy on knowing that I needed help, but what about everybody else that doesn't know what to do or where to turn, you know, and that's really disappointing, I think, of the whole experience because, as I said, I, with all the treatment and the surgery and I went through treatment during COVID, so I did a lot of it by myself, which further amplified my trauma of the experience. So I went to do chemo by myself. I had surgery by myself. I couldn't even have my mom or my partner in the hospital when I woke up from surgery. And that is, and it went longer than it anticipated. So nobody knew that it had gone longer. So my mom and my partner are calling the hospital trying to find out what, what's going on and no one would give anyone any information. So how can you stop people from coming to see me in hospital or being a support person in hospital, but then not give them the information that they need. You know what I mean? And I woke up to my phone just going nuts because, and I just come out of surgery. So I'm, you know, you're on that good buzz where you're like, I love life. Like, it's great. Like, woo, like I'm drugged up to the hill. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, woo, look at my phone and it's going nuts because they didn't know if I would made it through. And that's really disappointing. I think in the health system for that to have had, obviously COVID is COVID, but I think that you could have at least had someone there when I came out, you know what I mean? And I think that I was robbed of that experience because of the restrictions and stuff like that. And I was robbed of the experience of having people there while I was having treatment, you know what I mean? So I think that, yeah, it's just, it's really disheartening to know that you don't really have the support that you think you would when you're going through cancer, you know what I mean? And I think that being a young woman, it's really important to have these conversations because if I don't bring awareness to it, who else is going to tell the truth of it? You know what I mean? But yeah. Wow. So there's so many (laughs) things that you said that it's like people don't know, people don't know. So what are some of the common misconceptions that, you know, people have of cancer? I think one of the most common misconceptions about cancer is that, and I love this one, that sugar causes cancer. Mm -hmm. Sugar does not cause cancer. I can still eat sugar now that I have no cancer. Like, and I think that it's also the fact that like you did something to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So it's what I ate or it's having excessive alcohol or it's having, there's no rhyme or reason for why people get cancer and I think that's a really common misconception that you have done something in your lifestyle that has caused that to happen to you and I also think the misconception that you have the support while you're having like while you're doing treatment like you have the medical support but you don't have the mental support so people think that oh yeah, cool. They've got you covered. You're in the hospital. You're doing all this treatment, Mm -hmm. but they don't, you know, they give you the chemo, they give you the radiation, but no one at any point checked in with me and said, you know what, how are you actually feeling? Mm -hmm. How, how are you coping? And I think that another massive misconception is that young people can't get cancer or young women can't get breast cancer. That's the massive misconception. I think we have screening 
for you know women from 40 upwards why don't we have screening for all women like I I don't understand that concept yes we're a smaller demographic but people my age and people even younger than me get breast cancer I've heard of women that get it at 27 28 like even younger than that that's like and the fact that people there are no options available and if unless you I've heard of stories where women have gone and said I have a lump and because they're my age well they're not taken seriously so I think that's that misconception that, oh, young women, you're fine. You're young. You can cope. You've got this. Like, oh, you're just being a, you know, you're just being a hypochondriac. Because even now, like, I think it's really important to advocate for your health. And I think even now that treatment is finished, I've had to advocate for my health because I've had to chase the hospital for multiple appointments of my checkups. So we're talking mammograms, ultrasounds, breast surgeon appointments. I've had to chase up the hospital three or four times in the last six months to get these appointments. And it's ironic because I didn't think I had to advocate for my health because I've had, I've had breast cancer. Like at what point should I have to advocate? You know what I mean? But, and that really upset me and, and made me feel really disheartened and and like I didn't feel validated in my in my in my treatment because now that I've had it now I'm chasing you guys to book follow-up appointments like if I don't chase you and make sure you are booking these appointments and I've had cancer and I'm meant to get checks every six months then what are we doing you know what I mean like I have to advocate to get follow-up appointments and if I'm having to advocate, how many other people are having to advocate? Like I know I'm, you know, I know they have so many patients and they're so understaffed. I totally get that. But at the end of the day, I shouldn't have to follow up on my health mm -hmm. yeah. because you guys have told me that's what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to get checks every six months. This is your guys' advice. But then I'm having to chase up and make appointments and advocate for myself as a survivor of cancer that really blew my mind because I didn't think I would ever have to push That's really scary. for my own health. That's yeah. really scary because I'm thinking, what about those people? I know you and I are pretty yeah. assertive We're mm -hmm. and aggressive assertive mm -hmm. when it comes to yeah, aggressive assertive, right, yeah. <laughs> But not a lot of women are. Like mm -hmm. they can be assertive but, you know, Oh, that just it blows my mind and actually yeah. it's quite frightening. Did you find that it was because of your age you were yeah. almost discriminated against because yeah. of that? Yeah. I've never experienced ageism in my life and I never think I never thought I would, mm -hmm. but the amount of ageism I have experienced being a breast cancer survivor mm -hmm. and a breast cancer patient, even the fact that I would be sitting in oncology and I would get judgment from other people looking at me like what are you doing here yep. like why are you here mm -hmm. and the amount of times that the misconception that I would be there with my mom when she was allowed to come with me mm -hmm. and or they'd look at me like with sympathetic pity and be like oh poor her like she's she's got cancer like and even now when I try and advocate for cancer and survivorship there has been multiple times that certain breast cancer organizations have not wanted to help me share my story or bring 
the awareness to young women. Mm-hmm. It's more so, and that's really sad because just because we're a portion of breast cancer patients doesn't mean that we don't matter. Yeah. And that's, I've been pushed back so many times because I don't fit. I don't fit the box of breast cancer. I'm not 40 to 65. I don't have genetic, you know, predisposition, like I don't have genetic BRCA or anything like that. They cannot understand why I got breast cancer. But that doesn't mean that it's not important because I know there's so many young women in Australia that would feel exactly the same that are like, why am I different? Why am I being treated different? Because I'm a young woman that got breast cancer. And I think. It's also very important advocating for women to check their breasts. I think it's extremely important and I want everybody that has listened to this podcast, as soon as it's finished, go check your breasts. It takes takes two minutes to check check it. Check them, ladies. Check it. Yeah, check Check them while you're listening. Hang on. And if you don't check yep, on, I yep, know, I yep. know. The weird thing yep. is, is because yep. I've known you, Up here. I've known you for years, and yes. I saw that I checked mine straight away. Mm-hmm. It's that, and you know, yeah, you know the amount of women that I went to school with, or know that is my age, that in that post for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, they said last year said I've never checked my breast before. Mm-hmm. I have never in my life checked my breast. I never. And have I'm either. sorry, ladies. I'm sorry, ladies. That is not good enough mm-hmm. because you know what? I was 30 when I got diagnosed and that does, it does not discriminate. And it's not just checking your breast. It's checking up near your collarbone. It's checking under your arms, making sure that you're getting all feeling all under your arms, up into your collarbone on your neck to make sure that you've got, you're checking all up here. It's not just your breast ladies. It's the whole from your neck down. You make sure you're feeling to see and, feeling that you can feel any sort of or any dimpling or any inverted nipples any there's so many resources on it and I'll have a video up on my Instagram and TikTok showing how to correctly do a breast check so if you don't know how to do it check check out those resources but there's videos everywhere there's you know websites showing you how to do it like you have to do this ladies like we have to do it. It's almost like putting on deodorant and you pick one day a month. It doesn't have to be the first or the last day of the month. It can be, you know, before you start your menstrual cycle or it can be, you know, the first weekend. Whatever day works for you is what you should be doing, but it needs to be once a month at least. Oh, and I'm putting it in my phone. Yeah. Because that's yeah. how, you know, yeah. you all of us as young women mm-hmm. have our phones pretty much attached yeah. to us. Put mm-hmm. it in your calendars. Do a, yep. do a what is it, a reoccurring event? Yeah, reoccurring calendar. alarm. If, yep. Make an alarm if you have to and yep. say, you know, breast, breast check, breast check, breast check. Like, yeah. come on, guys. Like, this is, this is not just an old person disease. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful to older ladies or anything, but it is not an old person's disease. Mm-hmm. It is not something that is set from unfortunately the government seems to think it's 40 to 65 hence why you can't get a breast screen less than that that age but you know apparently the resources are not important enough to get women so we need to take the bull by the horns and be checking ourselves because there's there's nothing out there for you and do you know what there's so many people that i actually know that are getting bowel Mm -hmm. cancer but they're only sending bowel cancer kits to people over what 55 Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. 
and pap smears as well make sure you're getting your pap smears because younger people are also you know it's just we need to advocate for our own health unfortunately because the government's not doesn't have the resources to you know show young women or include young women in the demographic so let's just take control and make sure that we are doing what's right for us yeah, and if because if I and if mm. you're getting a doctor that you feel's not listening to you, mm-hmm. go to another one and go to another yeah. one. Yeah, go go as, to as many doctors as you need to until someone takes you seriously. Because the amount of women that go to doctors and they say I've got a lump or I've got this or I've got that, and they say, "Oh no, you're young, you can handle it," like that doesn't mean anything. Like keep going until someone takes you seriously because at the end of the day, that is their duty of care to you to make sure that they are addressing your needs as a patient. So you keep pushing until somebody actually takes you seriously because for some reason they think young people are indestructible, but guess what? I thought I was indestructible and look what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it goes we to have everything, mm-hmm. like any type of illness, mental health. Mm-hmm. Anything. Like I've got an autoimmune, like I've got Raynoid syndrome mm-hmm. where my hands go numb and it even just to get to the process of, you know, every time I put my hands in cold water, it was like mm-hmm. so painful. And in mm-hmm. the process, it wasn't until I found this amazing doctor that actually mm-hmm. did the steps, but I had to go, try a new one, try a new mm-hmm. one until someone listened to me. And, yeah, and I know it's not cancer. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know. No, no, but, absolutely. But just to get someone to listen to you mm-hmm. and not make you feel stupid. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because and if anyone does make stupid. you feel, yeah, if anyone does make you feel stupid, you stand up, walk out, and just let it go. Because guess what? That's a reflection on them. That's not a reflection on you. You are not crazy. You're not like mm-hmm. you're. Not, you're entitled to be able to advocate for your health you're not a crazy person because they think that it's not anything yeah and I find like the older doctors sometimes Mm. and it's like ageism it really is it really is yep absolutely so I think that was the difference with my doctors that I go now Mm -hmm. they're all younger doctors they're probably even you know I think we discount young doctors but Mm. oh my god they went to university in a time Mm -hmm. that there's the most knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know what I Absolutely. Mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think you really hit on it. Also, mental health as well. It's it's don't be ashamed to have a mental health plan with your doctor. I'm on a mental health plan. I'm on a mental health plan. Exactly. Exactly. And do you know what? It's it, it. There's nothing to be ashamed of because mental health is so important. Like I said, with my cancer journey, it wasn't necessary. I did have physical side effects, and I still have them to this day. But at the end of the day mental health is so important it's so important and it's such a taboo topic and I think also for survivors of any sort of trauma not just cancer being a survivor of any sort of traumatic event it's like it's important to get that mental health checked because trauma doesn't just go away Mm -hmm. and I think and grief doesn't just go away in whatever form of life it is and I think I think there's this stigma that if you go and you know, jump on a mental health plan with your GP. That's the best thing I ever did, to be fair, because I would not be able to have these conversations and be so open and 
deal with my grief if I hadn't gone to my doctor who is a young doctor who is absolutely fabulous she is about my age and she is so she advocates for me so well if I ever have a lump or bump or because I have health anxiety now of course because every time I feel something or something lasts for more than a couple of days she's more than happy to go out and say let's go get this checked go get an ultrasound go get an x-ray like she so advocates for me and that's really important I think finding a doctor that advocates for you and like you said I think the younger doctors especially young women doctors are really they get it because they know the importance of mental health they know the importance of health advocacy and I think if I hadn't got on a mental health plan I wouldn't be where I am today and I don't think I would have been as mentally strong as I am today I still have a long way to go long way but to be able to look back and know that I made it through is like the proudest thing I could do and admitting that I was weak and not weak vulnerable but also more so I wasn't coping it's okay to admit that you're not coping and that you don't feel that you're being the best version of yourself it's okay to admit to that and I think that's very important especially for the listeners if any of you have resonated with anything that we've talked about especially mental health and health advocacy just go with your gut listen to your intuition because that is the your intuition is your most important thing Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and I guess you got to think of your brain like your leg Mm -hmm. you break your leg you go to the doctor if your Mm -hmm. right if your mental health is not idea like you're getting bad thoughts whatever it may be mm-hmm. you got to treat it like it's a your brain is physical just because mm-hmm. you cannot see it yeah go just go what have you got to mm-hmm. lose to just go yeah and I think you also got to remember your brain is a lot stronger than you think mm-hmm. so even though you may be struggling you'd be surprised how strong and resilient that your brain can be mm-hmm. because even though physically I was you know struggling with with chemo and stuff I was so profoundly surprised about how strong your brain can be mm-hmm. you know even though I struggled with you know bad thoughts and dark times the fact that I still turned up for myself every day mm-hmm. is so paramount and I think that's really important too for women and or anyone really to be able to like be kind to yourself and appreciate yourself and say you know what I turned up for myself today mm-hmm. like my brain or you know I turned up mm-hmm. like as shit as life can be you still turn up for yourself every day and as long as you can do that like that's all that you, you could be in the darkest place but as long as you turn up every day for yourself that's all you can do because that is so important because you could be having the worst day but as long as you turn up for yourself and say, you know what, today might be shit, but guess what? Tomorrow's a new day. I'm going to turn up again tomorrow for myself. Yeah. So with everything that you've been mm. through and when you were going through treatment, mm. your mindset, your brain mm-hmm. is strong. What kept you going? How did you keep your mindset on track? I just remember thinking I – I could only, I got to the point where I would be taking hours. Like I'm talking, I couldn't take days. I I wouldn't even look beyond that day. So I wouldn't even, I had to break things down in like little steps. So like I couldn't think of 
treatment as a whole because that was 13 months of my life. If I'm looking at that, I'm going to become too overwhelmed. So for me, I would exercise. I would make sure that like I would even take it like hour by hour. Like there were some days where just getting through that next hour for me was so paramount. And even so to the point that I would sit there and be like, okay, like this is shit. I'm in a shit situation. I can't eat because I've got massive mouth sores. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do that. But at the end of the day, I think what really got me through was the fact that I could, it's really odd, but it was almost as though like every day was a step towards like recovery. So like every day when I went and had chemo and stuff like that, like it was, it was shit. Like that's the only way to explain it. It it is as terrible as everybody thinks, but I knew that every day forward was a day further closer to that light at the end of the tunnel. So when I started, I didn't see any light. I did not see I was in a room of darkness. And then each time I had some sort of treatment or surgery or radiation, that light got a little bit brighter and a little bit brighter and a little bit brighter. And that's how I really kind of could do it because I knew that every step forward, I'd see a little bit more of that light. And I also kind of learned to really appreciate the simple things in life. And that sounds really cliche, but when you're going through something as dark as cancer and chemo and all that sort of stuff, that nice little cup of coffee that you have in the morning, that is gold. So it's about, you know, the sun on your face, the wind in your hair. Like I think as a society, we're so set on fast paced, you know, we don't take time to really just appreciate the world around us. And I learned in that time to really appreciate the little things, whether it be like, you know, going for a walk and listening to the birds, like, or, you know, basically like the, you know, the smell of rain or, you know, it sounds really cliche, but when you're in the darkest point, it's those little things that get you through those little victories, those little like going for a walk oh that's a victory for me like I didn't focus on like massive accomplishments it was more so like the little wins and as long as I could make a little win every day Mm -hmm. then or have something that I appreciated in life that day Mm -hmm. then that's all I could do you know what I mean and I think I learned so much about appreciating the little things Mm -hmm. and and the simple things like like I said a cup of coffee or you know, the sun on your face, like how, how, how often do people sit there and appreciate that? Or, you know, and I think when you strip it back, those are the things that really matter when you've got nothing else and you're on a boat and you're on this cancer journey and and you're away from everyone and you feel lonely and you feel completely isolated because that you do, because nobody understands what you're going through unless they've been through cancer. Nobody understands the feelings that you're feeling and I think that as long as you can like celebrate those little wins that's the most important thing and I think simplifying life is so like I don't think we do it enough I think we're so worried about the bigger picture but you know there was a time in the world where people would just walk down the street or sit in the sun or you know watch 
you know, birds or, or wildlife. Like people just don't, there's, there's no, never that second to stop and appreciate. And I think I learned that while I was sick was that you can appreciate the little things and, st- and they can be the things that get you through, you know what I mean? And can make your mindset stronger is that, you know what, I did that today or I saw that today and you know what I mean? Like it's that, it's the simple things, yeah. ironically. Yeah. I love the simple things. Sometimes <laughs> even myself, like, you know, when I am anxious or feeling <laughs> that overwhelming depression, just it is, <laughs> it's the smallest feelings of just the grass on your feet. <laughs> and just, yeah, I totally get, I can actually feel, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the way you just describe it is perfect. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> now, 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 with your family and your mm-hmm. friends, and you know they are an amazing support system for mm-hmm. you. And you did say that earlier, but for the people that are out there, you know, with loved ones or mm-hmm. people they care about that have cancer, mm-hmm. what is the best advice you can give them to be able to be that best support? Yeah, I think for me, it's about just being patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know everybody when someone has is diagnosed with cancer everybody wants to help everybody wants to you know protect that person and I think it can be quite overwhelming for a person that is going through something such as cancer because you're facing the fight of your life and you're literally in this mindset where it's just like tunnel vision like you can't see anything else around you but your own mortality and your own survival so I think it's just about being patient and I think it's also about really asking like not deep questions but really like you know when someone says hey how are you like I think it's about digging deeper and saying you know what can I do to help you not so much not so much how are you but also in a way but how are you really doing like deep deeper questions than just how are you because when someone says how are you you're going to say good because guess what you're good because that's what well you're not but that's the default you know what I mean and I think it's also about making sure that you don't just step away once all the I wouldn't say excitement's probably not the right word but all of the once someone gets diagnosed you have those first few weeks where everybody's on top of you everybody's like oh I can do this I can do that and do that but then that lulls so people start to get on with their lives and rightly so because everybody has lives and and stuff going on but I think it's also about checking in after all that's gone because some of the loneliest times I had was when it would be say one two months three months into treatment and everybody had disappeared and I think that's really important to not just always be there at the beginning but be there throughout the journey because I think ultimately that's what you need you need people to come and say hey like you know three four months in or hey like how are you doing or what more so like what can I do to help Mm -hmm. don't give people a choice of oh I'm here if you need it I open the ask those open questions of what can I help you with would you like me to you know what I mean so giving them the option of 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 what you can do for them but basing it as a question of what can I do for you makes a whole difference to someone saying oh I'm here if you need it you get what I mean because 
yeah. am I going to call you if you say I'm here if you need it? Probably not because I've got a whole lot of shit going on. I ain't got time to call people and say, hey, I need this. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, it sounds really like blunt in a way, but that that's the truth of it because I'm not going to call you and say I need X, Y, and Z. I'm going to need you to be proactive and kind of check on me more so and I think that's really important is not so much just the physical things you can do for people doing you know bringing them food or coming and cleaning their house or whatever that whatever that may be presence or that sort of stuff but you've also got to check in mentally and say like how are you feeling like mentally how 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 are you coping because I think these sort of questions of people really, really want to be there, but they don't know what to do and they don't know how to navigate when somebody is sick. And I think that being there and kind of doing things for people out of like the thoughtfulness of it, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. popping up to their house and bringing them some food or, or, you know, taking them out for a coffee or anything like that is so because they just need love but they don't need everybody to kind of surround them. They just need love in a way that's not so, how are you doing? Like, you know, how are you? Like, you know, the general kind of consensus of, oh, how are you? But like, you got to go deeper than that, especially with someone that's going through cancer because they've got no time to just kind of fluff around. You get what I mean? Because they're in a fight or flight mode. So it's really important that, you're open, asking those open-ended questions of like, what can I do for you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I I guess it's different for each person mm-hmm. and what they're going through in their circumstances. Yeah. But I think you, you said it really well. You did. Is mm-hmm. getting that little bit deeper. And it is that mm-hmm. default when, you know, if someone's not doing okay, or, but, you know, someone's, hey, going, you're going to say good. You are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. And you don't want to feel like a burden either. I yeah. think that's really important as a cancer, during cancer treatment, you feel like a burden because you're like, these people didn't sign up for this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm inconvenien- I'm inconveniencing people by being sick or asking them for help. So that's why it's important to say, hey, like what can I do for you? How are you feeling really? Because you do, you feel like a burden. And that is a big misconception because you're not. But in your mind, you're thinking, I've just dumped this shit on all these people I love and care about. And the last thing I want to do is ask them for help because I've already just dumped all this on them. You get what I mean? So, like, that's really important, I think. Yeah. Definitely. Well, wow, that your story, just everything is so, so incredible. Now, everything you've been through, all your Mm. experiences, if Mm -hmm. you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? I think for me, and and it's going to sound really cliche, but you are so much braver and stronger and more resilient than you would ever think you could be. Mm -hmm. And... I and that and basically that it's okay to not be okay Mm -hmm. you know you know what I mean I think when you're faced with something like cancer you find an inner strength and resilience that you never really thought you had Mm -hmm. and I think it's really important 
for people that have just been diagnosed or have people going through cancer is that they really need to be held up and 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 held up in a way that you're you're making them feel like they are really strong and really resilient and really brave not so much in the same way of or you're brave for having cancer but more so like I'm really proud of you and that's what I would say to my younger self too. I'm really proud of my younger self because she was faced with something so like the foundations of my life were shaken and she was so scared and she was so terrified. But to know that like I'm just proud of her for being able to get through it. And I think reiterating that to anyone that has cancer or has been diagnosed you are so strong and so resilient and you're going to find such an inner strength of the person that you are that you never even thought you could even you will break so many barriers of like how you how strong you really think you are and I think that's really important to reiterate to people that are going through it is that people are really proud of you for really just soldiering on and getting through it but yeah definitely that I'm proud of her and that she's so brave, so much braver, stronger and more resilient than I could ever be, to be fair. <laughs> well, I think you are just an amazing human being and I'm proud of you. Thank and you. I think you are so brave <laughs> and it is just your story is just amazing and I think that, you know, the universe gives you things that you can handle for a reason and you've given young women a voice and you're mm-hmm. going to continue to do so and advocate for that. And I just think mm-hmm. that's a massive contribution to this world, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm Absolutely. I'm teary even thinking about it, but just how proud I am of you. Oh, thank your you. Experience. So, oh, don't start, you'll make me cry <laughs> So where can the listeners find you? Okay, so I am on Instagram and TikTok, Amanda McRae underscore BC Survivor. If you want to check out my journey, how-to videos, you know, what to do if you're diagnosed with cancer, all sorts of fun stuff as well, poking fun at cancer because why not? Let's do that. Let's make it a fun subject to talk about. Let's bully Um, cancer back. Yeah, basically. (laughs) But, you know, if you want to reach out, send me a DM. If you, you know, if you want any advice and stuff like that, I've had a few people do that on TikTok recently. Just wanting to know, you know, a bit of support and wanting them to kind of ask me questions and and say, you know, reiterating that like you're strong and, and just being scared, I think. And, but yeah, if you want to reach out any sort of, you know, advice or comments or anything really just jump on and we we can have a chat so amazing and I'll put all of your links in the show notes so check them out but thank you again for sharing your story and really getting the voice out to get a breast check check your boobs ladies check check your boobs boobs, ladies (laughs) 